Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, I had the chance to visit Walt Disney World last week. I actually took a four-day cruise on the Disney Dream and then stayed two nights at the Polynesian. So Leslie and I talk a little bit about my trip and what I learned on it. Spoiler alert, we had a lot of fun. Find all episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com or find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you love to find podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review or tell someone you know about the podcast. Connect with us at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, like our Facebook page Disney Deciphered, or tweet at us at WDW Deciphered. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from the Azure Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we are going to do a little bit of a trip report today. I was recently in Florida. I took a four-night cruise on the Disney Dream and also spent um, one night on the front end and a couple nights on the back end at the Polynesian. Uh, The front end night was not at the Polynesian, but I did visit Disney. I did not plan to go to the parks, but I did end up back at Toy Story Land thanks to the generosity of a friend whose daughter is a cast member. She had comp tickets to Hollywood Studios that were expiring that she needed to use. So we got the chance to go there. So I thought, Leslie, you know, um, we don't do these too often, but it might be good to just do a little bit of a trip report, let people hear about my trip and some of the things I learned along the way. How's that sound? That sounds good. I know I'm certainly curious to know how it went, and especially to hear how uh, going back to Disney World in the depths of summer was, because my experience after having gone in June was that I'm not going back in summertime. But you know, you're a glutton for punishment, Joe. So uh, I want to hear all about it. So tell us first, you you flew down when and what was your, sort of your first stop? Did you go straight to the cruise or something else first? Yeah, so I flew down on Sunday night. The cruise was departing on Monday. I just didn't want to like risk having a late flight or something like that. So you know, we stayed at the Hyatt Place out by the airport. But um, my friends and I, uh, so we traveled with three families, um, and so we went down on a flight from Boston with one of the two families, which uh, is a whole nother adventure in and of itself. But uh, it's actually was a lot of fun uh, taking up two rows as uh, two uh, families of four and five respectively. But anyway, so we decided to go eat at Whispering Canyon at the Wilderness Lodge um, for dinner that night, you know, partly because of this podcast. Um, in the future episode, we're going to do an episode on what I like to call antique dining. Maybe you like to call it entertainment dining. Leslie, but that's like the Skipper Canteens, the Hoopty Doo Reviews, you know, and then also Whispering Canyon, which had some antics. And we actually had a lot of fun there, uh, more than, you know, I expected to. Um, you know, they have this gag. So Whispering Canyon used to have like a lot of gags, but they've kind of dialed it back a little bit. But, you know, the gag that my kids really liked is when you ask for ketchup, basically, it's kind of like one table at a time and the entire restaurant has all of the ketchups and then that table delivers all the ketchups to you. So the kids had a lot of fun with that. And, you know, they had one of those march around the uh, restaurant types of things that a lot of Disney restaurants do. And Wilderness Lodge itself is beautiful. You know, I think I'd like to stay there sometime. Yeah, I had the chance to check in at my last trip. We just did a walkthrough ourselves. My, my husband was always really intrigued by that hotel. I think growing up uh, from the he he worked used to work at Yosemite and I know Wilderness Lodge is slightly modeled after the Iwani Hotel which is famous so we we did a tour ourselves and at least peeked in Whispering Canyon during a time where they actually had kind of turned down the antique dining for a while because I think there were there there was some controversy this summer about whether or not that would continue so I'm, I'm, I'm curious you know we're teasing the next episode but uh I'm curious to see 
if they've turned it back up and by how much. But so, so how did you, you said you stayed at the, the Hyatt place near the airport. Did you guys, how'd you guys get over to West Green Canyon? What, what transportation did you use? Yeah. So um, basically what I decided was the cheapest thing to do was to actually rent two one-way cars to get to Port Canaveral for the cruise and to come back. Um, you know, one thing that really made that kind of possible is the fact that we were traveling with two other families. I think if it was just our family. I probably would have spent the um, $75 per person. So it would have been like, you know, $375 for, no, my, I, I think my math is right there. But anyway, um, for the five of us to, you know, they would pick us up at the airport and then take our bags like directly to our rooms. And on the, on the way back, they would deliver them back to our rooms at the Polynesian. But because, um, you know, we were with friends, I managed to save like $200 by renting two one-way cars. And since I had that one-way car rental, that's how I got to Whispering Canyon. And so, you know, moving forward, you know, that's how we got to the cruise. Um, dropping, I actually dropped Jess and my two daughters off at Port Canaveral first. And then I took my son to drop off the rental car at Hertz with me. You know, he likes taking shuttle buses, like he loves shuttle buses, kind of stereotypical boy, I guess no matter how hard we try not to uh, fall into stereotypes. And so, you know, we took the shuttle bus back to Port Canaveral. And one thing that did end up happening was um, my wife checked in separately from us. So she got on the ship before us. I think that actually caused her a lot of stress. So we can get into this in a future episode about Disney Cruise Line. But that first day when like everyone is on the boat and no one's in their rooms can be uh, very stressful. And uh, it was a bit anxiety inducing for my wife there. No, I totally agree. I have boarded a cruise sort of solo. I had my aunt with me at one point and uh, it's chaotic enough as is with two adults <laughs> and trying to sort of get where you need to go and little kids and you don't have your the bags that you need. And definitely, I think that's that's a good good thing for people to know about if they're heading on a Disney cruise or doing sort of a combination land and sea vacation and, and bump up against that. So let's, we'll talk for a few seconds about the cruise because I think a lot of people do combine Disney World and a cruise out of Port Canaveral on Disney Cruise Line. So give us like the two minute summary of what, you know, what ship were you on? Where did you guys go? How to go with the kids of your different ages? Yeah, so it was a four night cruise from Port Canaveral. Uh, it went to Nassau, Castaway Key, which is Disney's private island and had a day at sea um, and then arrived back um, on that fourth day. So it was like Monday to Friday. You know, it was a it was a really good time. I mean, the reality is, so I mean, I guess let me say a couple things about Disney Cruise Line. Number one, it's you know definitely more expensive than other cruise lines out there. What you get for that is, I think, just like a lot less stress. Um, you know, I feel like they upsell you a lot less. Like basically on the whole cruise, the entire time, uh, we only got upsold once, and that was when my wife was in the spa. Um, so I didn't even experience that upselling. They were like amazing with the baby, like our server you know, the servers stay with you. So they're with you every night at dining. And so, you know, every day um, or every night he would ask us, oh, what does the baby want to eat tomorrow? And so we would say avocado. And then the next night we would show up and there would be a bowl of like cut avocado there for the baby, like immediately. So she didn't have to wait. Then the next day was raspberries and the next day was blueberries. And so, you know, a lot of people like to do Disneyland and see, like go to Disney World and then take a cruise or vice versa. And the general recommendation is to go to Disney World first and then go to the cruise second. And I always thought that was because Disney World's more stressful. You're running around in the heat. The cruise can be more relaxing, um, which ironically, my time at Disney World was more relaxing because 
we were just at the hotel hanging out well whereas when we were at the cruise it was kind of like i was kind of like playing cruise director for my family i guess most parents should understand this like you know a lot of it is about kind of setting things up so that your kids have fun um and so i was doing a lot of that so the cruise is actually pretty stressful but i would still recommend if you're doing it to do the cruise second especially if you have young kids because the rude awakening that we got trying to figure out how to feed the baby when we were back on land compared to showing up at dinner and just having everything all laid out for her was a uh, pretty rough and a uh, pretty difficult. Like I, I'm pretty sure there was one meal where she just went hungry because we uh, just totally were confused about what to do. You were on a Disney cruise for four days and you forgot how to feed your child because they spoiled you so badly. Um, it was pretty bad. I mean, we, we were pretty spoiled. I mean, it would just, the food would just be there. So. No, no, they do. They do a great job. And, and, uh, you know, having been on a Disney cruise myself with it, my son at at an age where he ate nothing, he he had the same uh, Mickey mac and cheese and followed by a Mickey's ice cream bar every night. So we did not have to order because our waiter did realize that was going to be what the meal was every night. But yeah, they're, they're really amazing service wise on Disney cruise. So I'm glad you got to experience that. So uh, cruise was over, and so you went to a more relaxing Disney World vacation. So what was the logistics to get you guys back to Orlando, and where did you – you headed to the Poly- Polynesian, I presume. That's right. Oh, one more thing about the cruise. Disney cast members on land, they're, like, good to great. Like, you know, I really appreciate the service there. But honestly, Disney Cruise Line service is just, like, above and beyond. And so another reason why – you want to do the cruise second because you get, like I, like you said, you get spoiled more on the cruise. Anyway, so um, we rented a car on the way back. We rented a car back through National instead of Hertz. Again, it was much easier because with the three families, they kind of helped us to – actually, I paid for – or I tipped a porter, which is basically paying for, to kind of bring our bags all the way to the National shuttle just because we had just too much stuff and with the kids hanging off of us. Uh, it was too hard to do, which personally I thought was uh, very well worth it. Anyway, we were going to the poly, but I got an email from um, uh, email slash text from Disney saying our room wasn't ready yet. I mean, we got off the boat at like 8 a.m., so why would it be ready? Um, so we decided to go to Animal Kingdom Lodge, uh, Kidani Village, actually, because we had a reservation, lunch reservation for Sanaa at 1130. And so, you know, um, we just literally walked around the lodge looking for animals for like 45 minutes until Sanaa opened. Uh, and then we went to Sanaa. Have you ever been there? Um, gotten the chance to eat there? No, I have not eaten there. I did stay, of course, at Animal Kingdom Lodge, but did not dine there this last trip. Yeah, so Sanaa is a great restaurant. I mean, the thing that everyone talks about is the bread service, which you get like five different pieces of non bread um, with three to nine dipping sauces, depending on whether you get the full package or not. You know, all the sauces were excellent. The naan was great, although it was a little bit soft for our tastes. And then the food that we got um, was really good as well. We got like a chickpea thing because my wife and son uh, really enjoy chickpeas. And then we got a lamb dish. You know, it's more Indian and African inspired flavors, uh, but we really appreciated it. And it was a change of pace from what we had been eating on the cruise. Um, so that was good. And um, better yet, there was like a zebra just eating outside the window next to us. So you kind of can't beat that. That's amazing. So how was the food for uh, kids? I presume your children are better eaters than mine are, but um, was it was it kid-friendly or what was it, their reaction? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have kid-friendly options. Um, I think, I don't remember if we got a fish, but our kids, 
you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter eats like I do and my son eats like my wife does. And so the baby is like kind of the tiebreaker and we don't know where she's at yet. So we're waiting to figure out uh, what she's going to eat. But um, we got chickpeas for my wife and my son. They had this thing where you can get like a meat and then a vegetable and, you know, some sides. Um, So chickpeas for my son and my wife, uh, this kind of lamb it's not a stew, but like it was like very soft. It was almost like, you know, how you might imagine brisket, um, but you know, Indian inspired. Um, but that kind of consistency that was very good. That my daughter and I ate, and then we all like kind of chowed down on the non bread, and that was enough for all of us. And so, what do you think of pricing at Sanaa? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. I thought it was pretty good. You know, the bread service is like seventeen, eighteen dollars, um, but you could just like fill up on that uh, if you wanted to. And then I think our meal was like. 28, but like all four of us split that one thing. And so with my soda and I, I think we got something else ancillary, um, you know, it all ended up being $60 after tax and tip, which was pretty fair. Although again, another, not to like harp on this, I'll harp, harp on this for one last time, but yes, you've dropped thousand dollars on thousands of dollars on a Disney cruise, but since you're not paying for like every meal, you kind of like your mind changes when you have to start paying for food again. So that was our first meal off. So Smart. So you went on the sparser side, which was probably smart. You probably were still full from the cruise. So Sanaa sounds like it was a hit. Let's move on to the Polynesian because, you know, that's my absolute favorite hotel in all of Disney. So how was it, Joe? Yeah, the Poly was great. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because we're going to do our um, our impressions of the Polynesian in a future episode. I will say, um, so, you know, the Poly was great. The pool was amazing. Um, we spent a lot of time on the beach. Different segments of our family watched fireworks from the beach twice. Like I watched Hollow Wishes. Uh, my daughter and my wife watched Happily Ever After, and that was beautiful. My kids toasted marshmallows on the beach. That was free. You know, my son sat down for like an hour. They were having some kind of Hawaiian dance presentation in the lobby, and my son just like sat there for an hour, which was good because, you know, my one kind of problem with the poly, although it's kind of my problem with it seems this is not the first time it's happened to me at a Disney hotel, but like I called twice to ask for my room to be serviced on different days. And, you know, both times, like hours later, it still hadn't been serviced yet. Um, so I was lucky because my son, like they needed to go back for a nap, but then he was watching that show in the lobby and I saw our attendant uh, in the hallway. And so I asked her to service our room and she did it really quickly. I think it's an issue between the, call center and communicating to housekeeping because our housekeeper was great, but you know, it seems like she never got the message to service our room. Yeah. We have had that same problem at Disney world before. And uh, yeah, I think the message just isn't going where it needs to go because we, you know, when you have a kid who, who does need to nap, you do need your room service usually, you know, by lunchtime. So that is a common problem. Call early, call often <laughs> and hope for the best guys. If you are planning that mid afternoon break. Yeah, and I would really say that if you like physically see your room attendant, just tell them um, because I think they want to service your room, but they just don't seem to get the message. So, yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah, I think they service the rooms uh, that are being checked out of first. I mean, they're because they're trying to turn those really quickly for the next round of guests. And so I think for the result is often the rooms that are occupied aren't getting looked at until two and three and four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's just my guess, my completely uneducated uh, uninformed one, but there you go. It's worth what you paid for it. No, that makes sense. So, um, and the other thing is, I don't know the rooms that the room 
the poly itself was amazing, um, but the room itself, it just kind of felt old and dated, which kind of surprised me because I think it was renovated like five or six years ago, but the carpet was like faded. We'll get more into that in the poly episode. Anyway, the reason why we decided to stay at the poly is because um, we wanted to chill. Like I said, we were not planning to go to the parks and my son just like wanted to ride the monorail like all day, like every day, like even on our last day, my son and my baby like woke up at like 6 a.m. So we took like the first monorail ride um, before we went to the airport. Um, and so, you know, we spent a lot of time riding the monorail. Uh, just a couple tips there. Like my son and I ended up at the Grand Flow at around 3.45. Um, every day at 3.30 at the Grand Flow, Cinderella and Prince Charming have like a dance um, that's free that like everyone likes to watch. And that was pretty cute. Um, we ate at the quick service restaurant at the Grand Flow. You know, we ate at the Polly a bunch. We visited the stores and the contemporary, um, kind of looking for souvenirs and stuff like that. Never got off at the Magic Kingdom, but, you know, our family went around the monorail loop a few times and were uh, pretty happy. So that kept us entertained for a good amount of time, plus the pool. Yes, and the pool is definitely a big part of uh, the Polynesian. So so uh, your daughter didn't ask, like, when are we going to see the castle, <laughs> Dad? There wasn't any any begging or pleading, or you just kind of, you know, waved your hands and pretended it didn't exist? Yeah, no, we kind of let her know like way in advance that we'd be staying, but we wouldn't be going to um, the parks at all. Um, but then, of course, uh, like I said, so, you know, I didn't have any service on the um, boat at all. And so, you know, I didn't even have any service at Nassau in the Bahamas. So I hadn't gotten any emails or messages or anything. But as soon as I got off, I got this DM from a friend of ours. Her daughter is like currently a cast member at Hollywood studios. And she was like, Hey, uh, my daughter has two tickets that are expiring at the end of August, like for Hollywood studios only. Do you guys want to go? And then by the time Saturday rolled around, she's like, actually I can get you four tickets. So I didn't, when I actually had a, after 5 PM conference ticket that I was going to use to get us in, in conjunction with um, Haley's tickets, but she's like, Oh, I'll give you four tickets. So even though I promised my daughter that she would not be going to the park, she ended up going to Toy Story Land, which was she was uh, really excited about since she saw our Toy Story Land pictures and she was like, when can I go visit that? So what did she think? Did you get her on Slinky Dog Dash? And, and what was the, the five-year-old review? Uh, so she was super into it. Um, she really like loved everything there and she saw Buzz. I mean, we didn't wait in line for him, but she saw Buzz and Woody and Jesse running around. Um, she obviously was cracked up by the soldiers, but she chickened out on Slinky Dog Dash, which is a good thing because I think we said on a previous episode that, you know, lines were down to like 60 minutes, but I was there on a Saturday and man, Leslie, it was insane. It was like so crowded. Slinky Dog was like at 165 minutes, I think. Alien Saucers was at like 85. Like I was going to wait in line. I, I would I would have waited in line for 45 minutes for alien saucers um, with my daughter. But, you know, at 85, I was like, forget it. Luckily, we managed to get onto Toy Story Mania. And, um, you know, both our kids had a blast on that and had a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, I think it's her second time. She's a little older now. I I have this trick now where, like, I just bring her noise-canceling headphones, like, everywhere because she thinks, like, both my kids think everything is, like, too loud and scary. But then once they wear them, they feel, like, invincible, and then they'll go do anything. Um, so, you know, we did that with the fireworks on the cruise and, you know, even the shows on the cruise, they wore them. I don't know. My kids are chickens, but wearing those, they love Toy Story Mania. And so we had a lot of fun. That is a good tip because I have a son who's very noise sensitive as well. And um, I'm totally going to borrow that and 
he was he was very much not happy when we got him on Star Tours uh, when we were there in June because you know it's not that crazy of a ride, but it it was the noise that completely overwhelmed him. So maybe if I can um, if I can try that trick, then I can get him on some faster rides. But yeah, I, I, he would not have done Slinky Dog Dash either. That that's a real roller coaster as we talked about. So I can definitely see the four and five year olds chickening out on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And with the noise canceling, like I think we discussed this uh, in a previous episode, but like even for Soren, um, which is not my daughter wasn't scared by like being up 50 feet in the air, but she was scared by like the loud fireworks and, you know, that airplane like flies and dive bombs you. Um, But I'm pretty sure that if she was wearing headphones nowadays, uh, she wouldn't have any problem with it. Definitely. So did you get a peek over the wall where you were in uh, Toy Story Land seeing what's going on at uh, Galaxy's Edge at all? Yeah, so Galaxy's Edge looked pretty cool. Um, It's even further along than when we were there uh, a month and a half ago, Leslie. But one note on Hollywood Studios construction, which is not as exciting. I mean, it's exciting for the future, but this gondola construction, Leslie, is um, it's just out of control. Like, so the gondolas are you know, the spans are up and it's, it's looking like it's going to be a great system, but I had to walk 15 minutes from the bus stops to Hollywood studios entrance. And it was like 90 degrees. So that was brutal. I guess there was some construction while we were there as well in June, but yeah, it it did not look (laughs) like it was going to be fun for a while until they, they clear all that out. When we were there in June, the bus stops were still like right outside Hollywood studios and the Uber pickup was also right outside Hollywood studios, except for I got caught in like a gigantic thunderstorm because the rideshare pickup like moved like the day before I tried to take a rideshare. Like I caught, got caught so bad. I had to buy new shoes at the airport um, on my way back from my trip in June. But now Leslie, like those bus stops, they're all like blocked off. And it's just, it's like literally you just walk along this long, I'm guessing it's at least half a mile, or at least it feels like that. And it's just like construction wall on one side, construction wall on the other side. So you're like looking at nothing. You're just walking through a passage of construction and it's, it just feels bad. It feels terrible. Yeah. That's important to know for people with younger kids too, because I always feel like at least in its current state, Hollywood Studios is small enough that Maybe it might be the park you wouldn't take a stroll or two if you have a kid who's kind of on the border, but you're going to have to walk for 15 or 20 minutes to get to your bus at the end of the end of the day. Then, yeah, you're going to need your stroller. Yeah. On the way back, it was uh, one kid piggybacked, one kid in the stroller, baby in uh, a carrier. So like no one was walking at the end, although by like 730 p.m. when we were leaving, it was um, pretty cool. One other note, don't be like my wife who was convinced that five o'clock in the afternoon was going to be cooler than 12 noon. I was like, it's not, I was like 5 PM is going to be way hotter than 12 noon, but she didn't believe me. We went at 5 PM and now she knows for the future that, you know, late afternoon is the hottest in Florida. Yeah, I know it gets like really stagnant. So I always feel like the, the wind kind of drops, but it's still just as hot and humid. And that's, that's the worst. Totally. Lesson learned. Yep. So, so after you went to Hollywood studios, what tell us, the rest of your vacation before you headed home. Yeah, sure. So I'll just note one more thing. Um, I know, and I guess this will go into antique dining as well, but I know this is one of your favorites, but I finally got the chance to check out Trader Sam's. Yes. And uh, why, why don't you, since you know so much more about Trader Sam's, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what Trader Sam's is about? 
it's just the awesomest place ever. No, it's it's a tiki bar um, in the Polynesian, sort of a back corner. There's The original was at Disneyland and the Disneyland Hotel, and, and I frequent it often there. And there's the inside part, which is like the bar, and there's antics, and, and you order certain drinks. They wacky things happen like things light up or servers do crazy things um there's also the traders the trader sam's tiki terrace which is an outside dining area and they're, they're not really the antics there but you can still get the same drinks and the same snacks out there and overlook the seven seas lagoon yep uh it was loud it was a lot of fun um but my friend and i so one of the families stuck around they were actually staying at the contemporary um actually i might as well note here that both my family and the family that stayed were staying on magical vacations travel special rates. And so we both paid like just a, right around $300 a night for the poly and the contemporary respectively, which is a great deal if you know kind of what rack rates are for um, those two hotels. Anyway, so one night the dad and I snuck out to Trader Sam's and we had a blast there. And then the next night, uh, my wife and my friend's wife, um, they went to Tambu lounge because Trader Sam's was full, which I think we got the better of the deal. I would agree. Last note on the trip is if you are flying on an airline that allows you to do airline check-in at the hotel, um, I at the Disney hotel, I'd really recommend doing that. You just need to drop off your bags um, three hours in advance before your flight. Um, what I do because like I, I never tell the Magical Express, my actual flight, because they want to pick me up three and a half, four hours early, and my whole family has TSA pre-check, and I'm just not trying to be at the airport for that long. Um, so what I always do is I give a dummy uh, – I just look up an I – I basically look up a flight that's an hour later than mine. That way I get picked up two hours in advance by Magical Express, and then obviously I have to go three hours before my actual flight to drop off my bags at airline check-in. Uh, resort check-in, but it's super useful. Um, you know, we had one huge bag and one smaller bag, and then we actually checked like a um, messenger bag, you know, just cause we didn't want to carry it through the airport and a stroller, I think. Um, and so, you know, we just dropped all that stuff off at the resort check-in desk, uh, the resort airline check-in desk, um, and didn't see it till we got back to Boston. And so that was really useful. And, um, you know, we took the magical express back to the airport, flew home, you know, that was it. And uh, the dream was over. The magic was over. And you're already planning your next vacation, right? Uh, yes, I am. But only theoretically right now. I got to, well, actually my next, my next um, on the books Disney vacation is actually not in this country. So um, we'll see what, what happens. Ooh. Spoiler alert. Well, I, I have two vacations coming up to Disneyland, but do not have a hard and fast date for Disney World on, on the calendar yet. So to be continued for me as well. Yep. All right. So we've gone pretty long, but I just want to end on one quick uh, Disney do for our Disney do's and don't segment. Uh, I touched on this before, but you know, I'd really recommend, especially if, if your kids are um, kind of chickens like mine, or you don't want to deal with the huge crowds, like the view of the fireworks from the Polly beach. I think we've said it before, but it is just, you know, a spectacular view. They pump in the music and it's a great place to watch the fireworks. So in terms of my Disney do and Obviously, you can go there for free. Um, so if you want to check out the fireworks, go to the Poly Beach. It's a great place to check them out. Great tip, Joe. Until next time. All right. We'll see you next time.